The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. It's just past midday on this Monday, the 11th of January 2021. And judging by last week's activities, one would think we've had an entire year squeezed into just one whole week. We're only in the second week of the year. And my word, if one just has to talk about what's been happening in Washington, um, we could chat for absolutely hours. But that's not what we're going to be chatting about today. We're going to be chatting about a very interesting um, South African story, which were the multiple serial killings that took place in Krugersdorp, west of Johannesburg, a few years ago. And we're going to be chatting to the journalist and investigative author, Jana Marks, all about her book, The Krugersdorp Cult Killings, Inside Cecilia Stain's Reign of Terror. Before we continue, we're going to have a quick ad break. I'd like to remind you that the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of High FM. High FM, your station of choice since 2008. Hi FM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa at P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. That's the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa, P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. Or send an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za. Want to get behind-the-scenes photos? See what happens in studio. Miss the documentary. History will not give Jewish people another chance. Benjamin Netanyahu at war. Follow High FM on Facebook and Twitter, where we post the links just for you. You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. This is the Confidential Brief live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide on highfm.com. Um, today joining me via um, the line is Jana Marks, who wrote a, an incredible book called The Krugersdorp Cult Killings Inside Cecilia Stain's Reign of Terror. Jana, welcome to the show. Hi, Chad. Thanks for having me to this morning. Jana, it's only a pleasure. I must be honest with you. With all that's been happening of late, um, not just internationally, but when one looks in South Africa at um, the horrendous murders that occurred in Chatsworth, where a, a well-known alleged drug dealer was assassinated, and thereafter the people who were allegedly responsible for his murder were beheaded, one thing that things can't get stranger or more bizarre. But when one looks at the book that you wrote, it's actually scary how these things are happening around us without our knowledge. Give our listeners a little bit of background about what was going on in Krugersdorp over a period of four years when 11 murders took place. Yeah, in this case, facts are truly stranger than fiction. Um, this whole story, I mean, the murders took place um, between 2012 and 2016, but this story actually dates back to 2007, 
when Ria Grunewald met Cecilia Steins. Like, it's, it's actually a good intro sentence, isn't it? <laughs> Not in the book, but yeah. <laughs> so Ria headed a Christian ministry. Um, she was a professed Christian, and she made it her, can I call it a speciality, to assist yeah. people that escaped the cult, who wanted to escape the cult. So there will be someone that says, I'm... Um, I feel captivated in a, as a cult or this um, satanic um, group of friends. I need to get out of this. Can you please assist me? And then Ria will walk the whole process through with them. And Cecilia was another one of those people that came to and said, okay, you know, I was um, actually a very, very high-ranking high uh, Satanist, and I want to come get out of it completely now. Please assist me. I'm still being um, assaulted by demons and all that. Can you please help me? So they, that, that's where this whole story actually started. So just to give an idea, Cecilia testified several weird things. She said she was a second, um, a 42nd degree generational witch. She could astral travel, read people's minds and all that. That was because she was this very high ranking Satanist, according to her, obviously. And Ria really thought, wow, this woman need help. And here I am. I'm going to assist her. Um, and from the goodness of her heart at that stage, she really um, took Cecilia under her wing. And Cecilia saw the, saw the opportunity to manipulate Ria because I think that's one thing people need to understand from this um, book. This is not a battle between Satanism and Christianity. Is the one real? Is the one not real? Um, the whole Satanism and Christianity that was used by Cecilia throughout this whole story was a fabricated or a fiction of her own mind to manipulate people. So, yes, I'm I'm a Christian, and there are um, very devoted Christians. There are sat- devoted Satanists. Mm-hmm. But in this book, this was fiction for this book's purpose. That's mm-hmm. what makes this very, very interesting. She used religion to manipulate people. And then her reign of terror started. Um, at one stage, she was occupying so much time of Rhea. Um, Rhea couldn't really... Uh, continue with her work and a day-to-day life. And Ria started to distance herself a bit from Cecilia. And Cecilia was completely freaked out, and she wanted to get back at Ria. So let's break this down. You are an investigative journalist. You deal with facts. You deal with empirical yes. evidence. And you land up with a story, and the more you delve into it, the more it becomes like a thriller, like a horror movie, and it's all based on the unknown. It's all based on somebody manipulating facts and convincing people that there's another realm. How do you separate fact from fiction as an investigative journalist? Well, I think the one thing that finally turned uh, my thoughts on this, because you start out with this thing and people, and it's a very, we call it the religious source in this thing. It's very, very, very thick. And suddenly I get the murder dockets and I see the photos and that doesn't look like a um, ritualistic crime or anything. I mean, we, we, we watch all the series on Netflix and all that. We, uh, there are certain elements or characteristics to a, a ritualistic crime. These people when it were just brutally murdered. There was nothing ritualistic about this. And they, that's when I realized something is up. And then I started Googling because we know that they um, – or different um, roots or different beliefs in Satanism. And I wanted to find out all of these things that I learned about Cecilia and what she is actually believing. 
I want to see where does she fit in. And then I realized that whatever I was Googling, there was no, uh, like a complete package that this is what Cecilia believes, which told me that she really fabricated this whole thing. She took a bit of this, a bit of this. She watched movies, uh, Charles Manson. She loved the serial killers, the American serial killers, Charles Manson, uh, Son of Sam and all that. She even took elements of their crimes and incorporated into her set of beliefs that she called Satanism or later Christianity. It's quite unbelievable. We chatting today to um, investigative journalist and award-winning author Yana Marks about her book, The Krugsdorp Cult Killings. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how the story developed and what the true motives were behind these these serial killings. We'll be back straight after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief. We're live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide on highfm.com. We're chatting to Jana Marks today about her book, The Krugersdorf Cult Killings, Inside Cecilia Stain's Reign of Terror. And before we went to break, um, Jana described to us how the stories that came out by the perpetrators of this crime were proven to be fiction. These people used religion as a means to an end. We're going to get to the motive of the of the crimes just now. But Jana, I want to know from you, as a journalist, how did you initially get involved in the story, and when did you start realizing there was a lot more to this and start putting the pieces together? Mm. Um, in 2018, May 2018, um, the case was transferred to the High Court, uh, usually because it, it got a, a lot of, um, or of course, a court case will get transferred because it gets a lot of media attention, which was the case with this. And I, at that stage, was the court reporter uh, for Network 24, and I attended the court case as one of the many court cases I would attend in a week. You know, there's nothing strange and in um, digital media, we don't really have the luxury to see a case through from A to Z, so I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I got the indictment the, uh, the night before, and I started to read through it. And when I started reading that indictment, I realized, whoa, this is something else than the other criminal court cases or civil court cases I usually attend. So I was – oh, just for interest sake, um, I studied theology, so this was – Suddenly, this was really, really interesting for me. And um, on yeah, that week in May 2018, two of the perpetrators, uh, they pleaded guilty. And yeah, then I was hooked and I was in court for the duration of the whole case, the hearing. It, um, it stretched about over two years. And yeah, I was, ve- I was very, very happy to be able to attend every day in court. I think of the... Uh, more than 60 days in court, there's only two or three days that I didn't attend because I just needed a break. <laughs> so so having a theology background was able to add to your journalistic skills because you could see through some of the things that were being used as a means to an end, as an excuse for what happened. But I believe there's a lot of people that still believe that this was um, a, 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 a religious-based um, cult and that the people that committed the murders, some of them were in fact drawn into the cult and weren't doing it for any other motive except for following orders. So let's talk about the personality of Cecilia. You've already said she's manipulative. Would you would you describe her as a sociopath? 
So, you know, it's difficult for me always to answer these questions because she wasn't assessed, not for court purposes or anything. So I might be um, slandering someone if I, if I think that, but I do have my opinions, and I definitely think so, yes. But that will be my personal opinion, nothing professional, because she wasn't evaluated. Why do you think she wasn't evaluated considering the, the, the bizarre testimony that was brought forward and her insistence on being part of this, I think you called it 43rd generation um, witch? I think it uh, came out quite early in the trial when one of her teammates um, turned on her and actually told the court this is a lot of nonsense. So I don't think it was ever necessary to see, to actually know how sane or insane this person is, because clearly this person, everything was premeditated, everything was thought through. They actually compared it to a CEO of a company. She sat in her little flat and she ran the whole enterprise from there. This is not an insane person. She was sane and everything that she did was uh, premeditated and thought through and there was a plan for every single thing. And that was a very consistent testimony. So I don't think it was even necessary to actually do that. So, Jana, one of the things that, that really, really threw me off is that we have an understanding of, of what people are generally drawn to cults based on the type of television series we watch and listening to these different um, documentaries about the type of person who is normally um, assimilated into such a type of movement. But when one looks at these people that were, that were part of this grouping, one was a, a student who wrote her matric with distinction Another was a respected and registered financial advisor. So her, her grouping was not your, your, your expected type person. How do you think an issue was able to appeal to these different people and their different needs? What did she give them that they couldn't find elsewhere? Well, for one, I think approval. Um, if you ever get to meet Cecilia, I met her in, this, um, in the holding cells while awaiting trial. Cecilia is a very charismatic person. She's actually a very, if you meet her in a group, she's actually a very nice person. You will start, she will immediately start a conversation with you, ask the right questions, you will, and you will definitely immediately feel, hmm, well, I, I like you, let's hang out again. So I think her personality drew people into her little circle. But because she also has a very, very high emotional intelligence, she quickly started more emotional, deeper conversations with every member until she asked someone on something on them. Um, and that's one of the things, one of the things that actually uh, came from a childhood. The dad told me that Cecilia would always do everything better or everything, everything worse. She will win at both sides. If you tell her, you know, I'm struggling, um, I'm an alcoholic, she will say, oh, don't worry, I'm, you know, I'm a bigger alcoholic, we'll get through this um, together. Or so she will use whatever you, the information you give her and she will personalize it and she will, from there, she will start a, a sort of a relationship with you, friendship or whatever. And then you feel, really, this is why um, I can really, um, I can trust this person Um and then she starts to share more secrets of hers, and you start sharing more secrets of yours, to a point that you realize, ah, oh, there's something more. You can't really just go out. This person, you know, not that there's anything happened between you that you need to go out, get out, or whatever. But this is now a very good friend, and you don't just leave a good friend. 
uh, she would lure people with information and play on their emotions to keep them tied to her. So you said earlier that religion was used as an instrument to manipulate. You don't believe that there was true underlying religion, be it Christianity, be it Satanism. Um, you think it was made up. Did she introduce any rituals? Did these people have to participate in anything to become a part of this group, which in actual fact is a cult? Yeah, I think we just need to distinguish. Um, Cecilia knew from the beginning this is a fabricated, made-up story. The group members didn't necessarily know that. So they would enter because she's this nice person, they want to be friends with her, and then she comes with this religious background. And she told them she was this high-ranking um, Satanist, and she broke out of it. And suddenly people started to trust her more, because it was this whole thing I always call her, chosen by Satan and then chosen by God, apparently, because that's how she portrayed herself. And if you were this important, that you were that high-ranking Satanist, and you, God then rescued you, uh, surely you need to be someone to listen to. So she, so she definitely had rituals, um, not weird things even at that stage. It, she, she, will, um, she will preach. Uh, they had sermons um, led by her. They had um, sing-along songs, Bible studies they had. But there was one strange thing about Cecilia, though, because that was one of the things she used to manipulate them. She told them she, she couldn't cut three. Uh, yeah, uh, let me just get my words there, but. She can't really cut free from the whole cult thing. Um, she's still in a progress, and therefore they need to pray for her about every single day. In the beginning it was only every week, every second week, and later it um, just became this whole obsession that every day people had to go and pray for Cecilia because she apparently suffered this demonic attacks. And she would fall to the ground and have seizures. Um, everything made belief. Um, now we know the fact it's in the book how she did everything that she did. Um, but at that stage, people really thought, okay, you know, she's this big Christian, but we need to protect her. She won't survive if we don't pray for her and stick to her side and protect her. So, Jana, before we get to the actual victims, the 11 people that died and look at the victimology of how they identified who they were going to murder and why they were murdered, let's talk about the word victim in respect of the fellow cult members or those that surrounded um, Cecilia. Do you believe that they were, were victims or do you think that they knew what they were doing and that they just bought into all of this? At first, I don't think they knew what was really going on. Um, no, I'm actually sure they didn't know what was going on. But at some point during the four years that the 11 um, murders occurred, everyone, I call it a light bulb moment, everyone reached a point of a light bulb moment. So, no, I will definitely not say they were victims at all. Maybe at first because, um, and that's, you'll get to it now, now, but if I describe the different sets of murders because it was a first group of murders and then it was a little pause and then it was another group of murders with different motives. Um, I think some of the people in the first few murders really thought that, okay, um, they, were, they were doing the good work of God here if they kill people, but that didn't last. So no, not even the youngest member of the group that was still in school, I will not say she was a victim. Um, at some point you realize this is not okay. And even if you are 17, 18 years old, 
there's always a principal or a teacher or someone you can turn to. So no, I, I definitely, I'm not feeling sorry for anyone in the group. So Jana, let's talk about the victims. 11 people murdered. Who were they? How were they identified to become victims by this group? And what was the motive behind their murders, the true motive? So there's the first uh, four murders that was uh, committed that were committed in 2012, and the focus of that murders was Ria. So Cecilia was angry at Ria. She wanted to get back at Ria. I always talk about the two parallels, the two stories. Cecilia had one story for a group to get them to do stuff for her, and then the one story that is actually her true personal motive. So her personal true motive in the first four murders was to hurt Ria, not actually kill her, because you can't hurt kill, you can't hurt someone if you kill that person, eh? So she started to kill people around Ria to hurt her, her mentor, her friend, her, yeah. So everyone is tied to Ria, and she almost managed to, the group almost managed to kill Ria's son as well, but yeah, he, he got out. Um, the, then I realized, okay, it's not this difficult in this country to commit murder. Because at that stage they were already, they were already suspects, not maybe all of them, but, um, Cecilia was already on the police's radar, um, Zach Valentine. And then they took a break because I realized police were looking into this. And then Cecilia needed more money. And now they were all trained. Everyone was, everyone were now proper, not amateur murderers anymore. And they just continued this, um, this chaos. So in 2015, 2016, they committed the rest of the murders, and that was for money, because now they knew. They wanted to get money for Cecilia. Cecilia wanted money, and when Cecilia says jumps, you jumped. What you've just said to me strikes me as as strange. They they were initially suspects. Um, There was this feud between Rhea and Cecilia. They were on the radar. Who dropped the ball? Why, why after those first four murders do you think there was no prosecution? And where, where, where lay the problem? Was it due to insufficient evidence? Was it due to the problems that we see our, 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 our justice system is faced with? Or, or was it just that they covered their tracks so well? They didn't cover their tracks that well at all. Um, this is actually also not the justice system because the justice system can only prosecute if there's sufficient evidence. So, yeah, it was a, a police error, investigation error. Um, I need to count my words now because I know the, the officers that were involved are currently being investigated for being accessory after the fact um, with regards to this case specifically because people feel if, I mean, if a murders have been, if a case have been solved, then maybe seven, seven other people would have lived today. So that is what actually what's actually going on. Um, they know they're being investigated, but even in my book, I couldn't name them because this is still an ongoing investigation. But the, uh, the first few murders were investigated as satanic murders, which we now knew is not the case. So a lot of, I think, very important, essential information got lost because people were, were the police officers at that stage. We're looking for Satanists and satanic cults and, you know, um, looking for the wrong things in the wrong places. 
So, Yana, had they been able to link the initial four murders, were there common denominators with those first four murders? Absolutely, and that is what the um, final investigation officer managed to do. Um, he, I mean, they were already suspects, <laughs> and then he just had to link them. So in 2016, he managed to, because the dockets were gone, that's another very strange thing. The dockets of the 2012 murders were just gone. Up until today, we don't know where the original dockets are. And um, he managed to link Cecilia with not only the murders in 2015, 2016, Cecilia and the whole gang, but also with the 2012 murders. And herein lies a massive problem. One murder is bad. Four murders is a serious problem. Eleven murders is horrific. Somewhere along the line, we have to ask the question, are we fully equipped in South Africa to continue to investigate these types of crimes? Because these types of crimes, I don't believe, are isolated. We had something similar happen um, in the Vol Triangle a few years ago. We've had this, which really stands out because of the victimology. But in your opinion, do we have a problem with serial killings in South Africa? And do you believe as a country with with a law enforcement in place, are we equipped to be able to investigate these type of crimes? Mm. You know what? I think we are equipped. I think we have extremely well-trained and good officers, but they are not the majority. And what I think happened in this case, and it's still on the investigation, as I've said, but there are police officers in Cecilia's immediate family. And there are a lot of reason to believe that there are reasons that, um, you know, dockets disappeared or information or even evidence or murder weapons disappeared. So I don't think is that we don't have the manpower and the, um, the knowledge I think we have a huge problem with police corruption in this country. And, um, yeah, I think it's an overall moral decay as well in the world that makes these things more and more frequent. These weird and brutal kind of killings. That, can I call it senseless killings? We know all killings are senseless, but, I mean, to kill someone just because you don't like that person, uh, yeah. So let's talk about the personality of Cecilia. If we look at the first four murders it was all as a result of a feud and wanting to punish somebody and show that they can get to those close to them. The, 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 the rest of the killings became financially motivated. Is there anything in Cecilia's past to suggest that she could have escalated to causing people to commit murder? Her parents, and that's actually a conversation I had with them um, on the plot where they live, um, they told me that she wasn't she wasn't the only child, but she was a very lone child. She didn't really have many friends. And there were strange things since she was very small. At 15, she was arrested for uh, throwing rocks through a liquor store. You know, she would disappear in the copies. That's what I call it there, around the mines. Um, she would disappear for 24 hours or whatever. No one knows where she is. Um, so there's definitely behavioral issues there. But we couldn't pinpoint, and it wasn't testified at all, that there was any forms of abuse or anything that might um, cause someone to really, really suffer from psychological issues that leads to this. And that being said, 
I'm definitely not saying that everyone that's being abused will murder. We know that's not true. But sometimes that is the case in the criminal cases. When you look at the background, um, when the probation officer testifies, there's sometimes these elements that say, okay, yeah, I can see she had a problem with this and maybe this was the reason for this. In Cecilia's case, not at all. She just liked the attention and she had strange behavior since she was very, very small. We're chatting to investigative journalist and author Yana Marks about her book, The Krugersdorp Cult Killings, Inside Cecilia Stain's Reign of Terror. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about the co-accused and where they are today. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Do you ever feel overwhelmed that sometimes it's all too much need to offload? The High FM Helpline is here to help you. Give us a call, 0800-242436. The High FM Helpline, caring, compassionate, confidential. You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're talking about a, a book that. I'm sure would sell out at the, at the movie houses. It's called The Krugersdorp Cult Killings Inside the Cecilia Stain to Reign of Terror. And it's all been put together by award-winning investigative journalist and author Jana Marx. And it describes 11 murders over a period of four years in the Krugersdorp community. Jana, let's talk a little bit about the other people that were involved. I mentioned earlier that um, the one was still at school and she actually got distinctions while writing a matric. The other was a financial advisor. How many other people were involved and how many people have been convicted and what type of sentences did they receive? Okay, so um, I can tell you that the people that were involved with the murders were all convicted. And we know that because two of the group members turned on the friends and, I mean, um, everyone, they implicated everyone. It was in their benefit to implicate everyone. So we know that everyone that was physically involved or even um, part of the planning processes of the killings, they were convicted. So there was a mother, and that's, yeah, it's the group, this, this group setting is actually very disturbing as well. A mother with the two children, they were both teenagers at the time. The youngest one was about 14 when the first murders were committed back in 2012. There was a financial advisor. He studied actual sciences um, at a very well-known university. So it's a very, very bright guy. Um, him and his wife. His wife uh, was actually murdered in 2012 for trying to get out of the group because that's what Cecilia did. If she, she would force them to stay eventually when they started to realize. And when I tried to get out, she would just get, um, she, she would just take them out in her words. Um, and then there was another guy that came on the scene a bit later, um, John Barnard. He, um, Cecilia uh, dealt with drugs and all that, and he was a dealer for her. So he was part of the last murders. But yeah, the main people in the beginning, from the beginning, was Doug Valentine from Discovery, um, Marinda Stein and her two children, LaRue and Marcel, and then his wife, and then Zach's wife, Michaela. And what kind of sentences did these guys get? Will we see them on the streets in the in the future, or is there no option of parole? What are we looking at? 
shoot, they, yo, I think they got like close to, yeah, about 11, 11 times, yeah, about 50, 50 or so life sentences together, more than thousand, um, thousand years in criminal years. Obviously, some of the, um, some of the sentences are being um, served at the same time. Um, but no, you know, Leroux negotiated a plea deal with the state that he won't get life but only get 25 years. We know that transpires to life, but there's actually a slight difference. Um, he might be able to apply after 15 years since he was sentenced in 2018. But we must remember that... The families and victims' families and the public as a whole has a big saying in this nowadays. Things changed a bit in South Africa. You won't just get parole and get out. The, the families have a chance to say, opportunity to say, no, we don't agree with this. We still fear for our lives. No, we don't feel justice has been, has been served here. So um, I think he and John Barnard, they both had a plea, uh, plea agreement with the state. I think they might be the ones to get out earlier. But I don't think any one of them will really get out in this lifetime. And the schoolgirl, what happened to her? Yeah, well, interestingly enough, um, she was sentenced to eight of the murders, although she didn't, she got convicted of eight of the murders, although she didn't, um, she wasn't on the scene of all eight. That's because they, um, the state managed to prove that she was part of the planning process and all that. She's also in uh, prison, but not in the same prison as her mother and Cecilia, because her mother and Cecilia threatened her, uh, still Hawaiian, the, while the, um, the case was still ongoing. They threatened her because she told the truth, and I'm saying it in, um, yeah, I'm quoting it actually, uh, she, 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 her truth thing. She told the truth like right in the end of the trial. So they just said they're going to kill her and they'd send the messages and they told her and called and whatever. So yeah, since the moment they were sentenced, she was sent off to another maximum prison. So many lives ruined, um, not just from the victim's side, but even this young girl who did so well in matric, another person mm. who was an actuarial scientist. This must have left you thinking a lot about humans, a lot about people and how easily it can be for them to, to become ensnared. Is there anything that you've learned from this that you would like to share? Is there anything that's come out of this that can help people not become ensnared in these type of organizations, movements or cults? Well, um, I... I can compare Krugersdorp. You know, it's a close-knit community, mostly Afrikaans. It's very much similar to Bloemfontein where I grew up. And I think coming from Bloemfontein, then coming to Joburg, not in a million years, I would think that something like this will happen literally on my doorstep. Because as I've said, there are so many similarities between the communities. Um, Miranda, the mother, she was a teacher of a very well-known Afrikaans school. At school that I, I would have gladly sent my children to if I had. Um, and I mean, this, the discovery agent that will call you for follow ups on vitality or whatever, that's the type of persons that, that were the peers in the story. So I think it just, it, it created the awareness for me 
that these things are not, you know, in the hopse, like we say in Afrikaans. <laughs> it's not out there. It's not far away. You need to be vigilant and not paranoid. Don't get me wrong. But you need to know what's going on around you. you if something is suspicious, treat it as a suspicion. Don't, don't just let it go. And I think um, one thing I've learned, and that's very, very um, important with regards to the children as well, the children testified they felt isolated because they only had their mother. Their mother was divorced. Miranda Stein is a mother. She only had, they only had the mother and Cecilia, which would say aunt, not by um, family relations, although the, the surnames are the same. Um, they didn't feel they could talk to anyone at school. So I think it's important for schools to let children know that there is someone you can talk to. Um I don't know if that wasn't the case at the school that Marcel or the two children attended, but I think it's important they know there's this one person at school that you can trust with anything, and if there's anything that you can't discuss with anyone around you, come discuss it with this person. So I think that's another thing I'd like to from this. Yeah, but I think the Yana, main thing is be vigilant. Yana, what I'm taking away from my conversation with you today and with your, your book is the fact that we seem to pigeonhole who we expect to be a member of a cult. We we have this idea in our mind of the type of people who would join these cults and the type of people who would commit these horrendous acts. And what you've been able to highlight for everybody is that anyone, given the circumstances, can be recruited into such a cult. It all comes down to the level of manipulation and whether or not they are malleable enough to be manipulated. Mm -hmm. And remember, these people were intelligent, clever people. No one is above this. It's so, quite unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I'm sure this is definitely going to be turned into a movie because it's, it's, a, it's a movie that will resonate because we're talking about ordinary people that did some really horrific things. Um, the Krugersdorp Cult Killings Inside Cecilia Stain's Reign of Terror is available at all good bookstores. Written by award-winning investigative journalist and author Jana Marks, who kindly was my guest today. Jana, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. And goodbye to your listeners. I enjoyed the conversation. It was a horrific conversation. And like I said, I think what we can all take away from this is the fact that anybody – can turn, anybody can change. And although you said don't be paranoid, we have to be wary. And thank you so much for being able to put this down in writing so people can understand more about the psychopathy of people that get involved in these kind of crimes because they're not necessarily sociopaths or psychopaths. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jed. Jana Mark's book is available at all good bookstores. Remember, it's the Krugersdorp cult killings inside Cecilia Stain's reign of terror. Next week, we're going to be talking about something as horrific, and that is the international problem of human trafficking. Join me on Confidential Brief on High FM, 12 p.m. next week, Monday. And if you enjoyed today's show, you can always listen to the podcast. The podcast will be uploaded within 24 hours to highfm.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back same time, same place next week. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.